minutes, so. Hey everyone, welcome to the Pretty and Witty podcast. My name is Kim and this is Elena. <laughs> Yay, we did it right this time. Let's go. Um, today we have an amazing topic. This is so like so true to who Elena is. Like she should totally be a counselor for real. Like sorry guys she's my best friend and also my counselor and I just appreciate <laughs> her so much but this weekend we were actually just talking about um just our own process of life and stuff and she really had so much wisdom about a topic that I feel like maybe I've heard a little about but not to the extent that she's actually walked through this and like learned so much and that's the topic of shame and I know in a previous podcast, yeah, in a previous <laughs> podcast, we kind of mentioned shame a little bit around like purity and things like that. But this is like full on shame about literally anything and everything and how you might have shame and not even know it because everything she was saying, I was like, oh, interesting. So she's going to unpack that a little bit more for us, but I'd love for you to just tell us like your journey of like learning about shame and like what that process looked like walking through it. I know I've mentioned in other podcast episodes too, like I'm like really big on like a self-love journey and that actually directly ties into the shame thing. Cause only in the last couple of years, actually when I did third year of ministry school was when this thing kind of was brought to light and I have literally lived with this my entire life and I had no idea until my last year of ministry school my mentor who had also walked a similar journey and so I think because he had walked through it himself he was able to spot something in me that was like hey I think you're dealing with this and I just want you to know like you don't actually have to live with that and um that was shocking to me because like I said I you live with something your whole life that you're just like, this is normal. And everybody must also feel this exact way. They must deal with this too. And so it was so weird to me that he was like, you know, I had this, but I don't deal with this anymore. And it, it just like in no world could I imagine somebody living like with like peace in their everyday life, like not second guessing themselves no self-doubt, no negative self-talk, like all these things that kind of come up with shame. I didn't even know that's what it was at the time, but yeah. So I, once he identified it, we kind of went on this journey of all these things because they're all really interconnected of working through my shame. And that was directly tied to my self-love. And that was directly tied to the way that I spoke about myself to myself. My question is, so you mentioned like self-talk and stuff and doubt so like what does shame look like like give examples of that okay yeah so there's there's in case you didn't know there's like a difference between feeling ashamed and feeling shame so feeling ashamed says like I feel bad because I did something bad that falls short of like my moral standard so like the example I gave was, I know like stealing is against the law and that's not the way my mom raised me. So if I were to steal something, I'd probably feel ashamed about it. You should at least. 
um, feel ashamed about it because that act was not good and it fell below like the moral standard that I have. But the difference is shame, feeling shame says it's not that I did a bad thing. It's that I am a bad thing or like I'm wrong. Like no matter what I do, I'll always inherently be wrong. Like I'll never quite make the mark. I'll never be enough. So on and so forth. And so for me that like basically like comes with really obtrusive thoughts that are constantly telling me like I'm not enough or don't do that because somebody else is going to think that you're needy or don't do that because somebody's going to think that you're really bossy or like, do you know what I, it's like? Just thoughts that make you second guess yourself um, because of other people's perception or it's still using what other people think to trace back to the reality of I'm the issue because I'm still not going to live up to what I should, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Does that answer and so, question? yeah. And so because of that, I know we kind of mentioned, like we've talked before, like because you carry that, you feel like you can't be your full self and yeah so you filter yourself around people through those thoughts right yes so obviously this is something that I feel like I've been on this journey with the last couple years and then only recently have I realized like I have had a lot of freedom and a lot of breakthrough from like when it was first identified walking to the end of that year and so it is something that I have experienced a lot of freedom in it is something that will still crop up and now I have tools to be like hey I'm gonna recognize this I'm like, my bounce back time is a lot quicker. I'm not going to spiral so on and so forth. Um, but recently I was just like reflecting and like chatting with the Lord and just realizing, I guess, like I've come a long way, but there's still like a lot of areas that could be better. And I think it, it was me recognizing like the grip that shame had on me had kind of infiltrated a lot of other areas of my life. And so like a big one of those is if shame tells you like who I am as a person isn't enough, isn't right, isn't blah, blah, blah. If you live with that narrative long enough, you begin to filter yourself. You begin to, to morph into what you think other people would want or you think is enough. And so it was just one of those moments in me realizing like in friendships and relationships, like I've filtered a lot of myself. I literally told my mom, I was like, you know, the sad truth is, is something I've been realizing is like, I don't think I have anybody, anybody in my life that like really 100,000% knows me for the full authentic Elena. Cause I just know, like I am a certain way at home. And I know that there's like levels of comfortability. Like, you know, you would act one way in your home versus someone else's home that you don't know yeah. but there's just things like I know when I'm home by myself that like I do where I say like silly things or like I just do silly things and I was like I would never let somebody see me do this like it's just who who I am and I was like and Kim is probably the person in my life that knows me the best and I was like I would even say I don't think she knows me 100% because I know that there will be times where I'll like text her and 
my thought is like, why did you just text her that? Like, she's going to think you're so weird or like, she's going to think you're being like so needy or like stupid stuff like that. And it's like, I still did the act. Like I still did it. But like the voice in my head is like, I'm carrying shame because I'm thinking you should know better, Elena. Like that's such a stupid thing to do. Like, why would you do that? Um, so it's stuff like that, like filtering myself with shame, but also maybe sometimes like, I don't know, like if I'm really opinionated and I have strong convictions about something, which I do, like maybe I'll filter and even tell the people in my like closest in my life, I'll hold back or like, I won't say certain things because I don't know how to be perceived or because I'm afraid that they'll think I'm too harsh if, you know, I'm honest or if I just say whatever I'd want to say. And so I do think like shame creates this thing in us that makes us feel like we have to filter and we can't be our authentic self because somebody else won't like that. Or our if we let our authentic self show, it will somehow be like judged or looked down upon or just be seen as ridiculous. If yeah. that makes sense. Um and I do think we've kind of talked about this too. Like if you know, like emotional health, like at school, we kind of talked about heart gates. And I think there's a difference between filtering yourself with things that you want to do that you don't do because you're afraid of what the outcome might be perceived as versus, Hey, I'm not going to share everything about my most personal innermost being with a random stranger. Like, obviously that's a no. And so we use the word heart gates. If you don't know what those are, it's basically just like levels within your heart of like how you let people access you. So, um, and if you, if you're listening to this and you want to know more about that, you can message us and give you some notes about that. But it's like, yeah, like just different criteria that you have personally to let somebody into the innermost part of your being. Um, and that obviously takes time. That takes relational development. When you get married, your spouse will enter those gates and those things. But filtering yourself is, like I said, just doing something you want to do or not doing something you want to do because there's this voice in your head that's saying you shouldn't do that because it won't, it, it'll be dumb or it won't be taken well. Which is crazy that I feel like a lot of us do struggle with that. And it's like the fear of man, fear of what other people will think, fear of rejection, like all these things. And it's like, if you really analyze your thoughts and analyze your actions, like, why do I do the things I do? Like, totally. Like, why? Like, you know, like, just hearing you talk and share your story, like it started making me think, man, like, do I filter myself? Like, do I have these thoughts? And I, I, I do feel like I struggle with, um, like people pleasing, like, I want you to like me. Yeah. Um, and so I think sometimes I'll filter myself so that you will like me, um, which is stupid. Cause if you don't like me, then you don't like me and that's fine. But I think in our mind, it's, or at least in my mind, that's the end of the world. Like Absolutely. I want to be liked. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking about that too. Like, why is that such a big deal? And I'm like, it is, it is real because there is a real possibility that someone could be nasty either to your face or about you behind your back. Like 
I've I've been in situations like that. Um, and so it, I feel like when you ex- when you witness those things again, it's it's you telling yourself a narrative that you eventually believe of like I'm justifying why I feel like this because you've seen evidence of it happening. So either that's true or I I know for me, like my self-talk was terrible, which again, like I, I didn't really know. And it probably sounds weird if you think about it, like, but literally like when you look in the mirror, am I telling myself like, girl, you look amazing. Like you were having such an incredible hair day. Like you look incredible. You're beautiful. Like all of those things, like that would be an example. So on a side note, if you need an exercise to work on your self-talk, that is a way to do that. Like you stand in front of the mirror, you look at yourself and you're affirming you. So that actually happens internally. That's what self-talk is. And so when things would crop up, my self-talk would not be good. It would be like, you're a mistake. You're not smart enough. Like you're, nobody likes you, blah, blah, blah. Cause it's like, Shame is such a way of like going back in your past and doing something called confirmation bias, where you can so easily look at your history. And when unfortunate things have happened, you are like, you tell yourself, see, this is exactly why we think the way that we think because X, Y, and Z has happened. And when that happens, it clearly meant that nobody was ever going to love you. And so that's why we're here in this situation. And so I had stuff like that. Like I would literally go back in my past and pull painful memories to the surface because I knew they would elicit a, re- a remote, a, an emotional response within me to like hurt myself because that's how bad my self-talk was. Cause I just was stuck in this cycle of not seeing a way out. Um, yeah. And so I think I've, I've, like I said, I've gotten a lot of freedom in it, but I think it's something like I'm kind of like revisiting because now when you have years of that happening, when your self self-talk is bad, it creates this narrative that you live from, from the rest of your life. That just doesn't go away overnight. Like that's, there's still a process of like undoing that thinking. But I remember like, I'm at this point currently, like with the Lord being like, I actually don't know how much of Elena is authentic Elena that God made versus This is the version of Elena that took labels from what people said about me throughout my whole life and just slapped them on me. And then they became my identity verse, or even on the other hand of like, how much of me was self-limiting because I was so riddled with shame about what other people thought that I squashed Elena down into a box. So I'm like, I don't even know what's, what's real anymore. And so personally, like, I feel like I'm on this journey of like I said, still undoing that kind of thinking, but really trying to figure out how do I live from authentically me without second guessing myself, without questioning my motives, um, without overthinking about every little thing. So how did you do that? Like you've mentioned looking in the mirror, saying affirmations of yourself, but like, what are some other practical ways if someone struggles with yeah. I am not this brilliant. I did not come up with all this on my own. This is basically, I went to free counseling essentially several different times and a lot of really smart, wise, godly people had really incredible insight. Um, And so a lot of this stuff like 
I took from them. So if you need notes or resources, you can let me know. But yeah, so there's basically three different ways that shame can like present itself. If if you're not sure if you deal with shame, I told Kim earlier, I was like, I think personally for me, I know like a red flag is usually if you're like a chronic overthinker. Now, again, we overthink sometimes, but like for me, I'm like every single thing that I did was questioned. Like I constantly second guess myself and I still have moments where I have to like take those thoughts thoughts captive but I would probably say a red flag to like if you're not sure if you deal with shame if you're a constant over like a chronic overthinker probably a good sign that you are dealing with some shame that you probably need to like root out um but yeah the three different ways it can present itself is um the hiding shame which basically is like the cloak of invisibility so that's like you want to disappear. You want to hide. You want to be a wallflower. You're like, I don't want anyone to see me. I don't want anyone to look at me. I just want to like fade away into the background. So you just kind of live your life alone where you don't want any eyes on you. Um, the second one is a spiky jacket. So it's like, you know, imagine like if somebody had a literal jacket of spikes on and you went to go hug them, you're like, you're like, oh, I'm trying to work around this thing or like walk on eggshells. You're like, it just feels weird. And usually if you're the person that has a spiky jacket on, it's your coping mechanism to be like, I'm going to keep you at arm's length because I'm going to distance you before you can really reject me. So like, I'm going to separate myself from you so that I don't have to get hurt. And the last one is like a mask. So it's like you performance and perfectionism. So it's like constantly doing the right thing, saying the right thing, doing all the things never slowing down. You don't want anyone to know that like you can't handle it. You can do it all. Um, it's probably workspace. You're like, I want approval through the things that I do. And I'm like that. I've probably experienced all of those at some point also. But I think for me, like I was very much performance based because I think my shame was stemming from like, you only love me for what I can do for you or what I can give you. But like who I am as a person isn't enough. And so for me, that was like my personal journey of like recognizing like the gift is me. Like the gift is who I am, not what I can give you. And that's, like I said, like these things are like, I've had a lot of breakthrough, but it's still really hard some days where I'm like, I'm so, cause I'm also like, I feel like such a servant heart. So it's like, for me, like that is how I show love for people. I'm also like acts of service. So I love stuff being done for me, but like gifts and that kind of stuff, like that's how I show love. And so I have to be very careful that I'm really doing that out of the genuineness of my heart and not because the motive is if I do this, then you'll love me because I'm trying to prove that I'm worth loving, worth being around you. I'm worth being in your life, blah, blah, blah. And so yeah, for me, for the shame thing, it's it sounds really simple, but it's like, just don't think those obtrusive thoughts. Like, just don't do it. Like, when they come, it's like, so I'm trying to feel like I have a really good example, but basically, like, when shame would come, I could, like, fixate and obsess over an incident that happened. So, and I am say incident, but I'm like, it doesn't even have to be bad. Like, it could have just been, like, at work. Um, like I was supposed to do something, like my boss asked me to do something and then like I dropped the ball or like it wasn't done the way that they wanted. 
And it's like, oh, no big deal. Like, hey, could you just do this? And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I forgot. Now they think I'm a terrible employee. They're going to question if I'm a hard worker or not. And I'm like, right? Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, it just snowballs. So like, if that were the thing, I would think about it over and over and over and over again. So I'm like, literally throughout the rest of my work day, I'm in a sour mood because all I'm thinking about is how I made the mistake, but it was a mistake and that's okay. But it was somehow the narrative was that I'm the mistake. Like I should have known better. I shouldn't have done that. I can't believe I did that. Oh my God, who does that? And it's like, again, see, it's that performance perfection. You have to be perfect. And if you mess up, it's because you are the mess up. And so when that would happen, I would like just spiral myself where I'd be in a really bad mood because I could just couldn't let it go within myself. And so a big process was learning, which I'm like, it takes time. Like when one of the, when that thought would come and I would start to fixate on it, I would actively be like, nope, I have to stop myself and be like, we're not thinking about that or telling myself, Elena, you made a mistake, but you're not a bad person. Like, so it's, it's learning to like take the thought captive, but also what is the narrative that you're telling yourself when you're thinking about that bad thing? Like I said, most, a lot of people could just be like, oh, I made a mistake. Let it roll off my back moving on. But mine was you made the mistake because you're a bad person. So my self-talk was something I definitely had to work on that helped about, again, like I said, reminding myself you made a mistake, but you're not a bad person. Like you're really great at your job. You're hardworking. You mean well, that's great. And then eventually you do those things enough where when an obtrusive thought comes, I can just kick it away. And I don't think about it. Or even if I do dwell on it, I don't dwell on it as much. Or when I spiral, I'm not like down in the dumps for hours, sometimes days. Like sometimes I would think about something for days. Like I could not let it go. And then you eventually over time, you're like, oh, wow, I didn't think about that for four days. I thought about that for only two days. Or like instead of like, a day, like the entire day, me obsessing over it, I only thought about it for like an hour. That's incredible. So it's like you do that enough and slowly you just realize like you're not thinking about it as much and your bounce back time is much faster. And you know what's crazy is like literally as I'm talking about this right now, I just remembered when we did ministry, when we were in our internship year, I don't know if you remember this, but we had to do evaluations of our cohort. Like we had to like fill out like what, what we thought they did well, what they thought they didn't, blah, blah, blah. And I remember somebody putting on my sheet that they were like, sometimes when things don't go the way that you planned, like it was basically like when things don't go the way you planned, you're bounce back. You need to bounce back faster. Wow. I remember being so upset. That is exactly why. Like I would be in such a bad mood because all I'm thinking about is what's gone wrong that I, I literally was like, I don't know how to pull myself out of that. Like I don't have the tools. And now I'm like, that's really crazy. I'm like literally saying the thing that I needed to work on was like basically not being so hung up when things don't go the way as planned. And that's because it's like, there's probably some other things in that too, like control. But again, if, if, if shame is masquerading as perfection and it's not perfect, that's saying that I'm not perfect. And I know that. 
Well, that's yeah. the funny thing is it's like, logically, that doesn't make sense when I'm like, no human is perfect. But in myself was just like, you need to be. Yeah. That's exhausting. So exhausting. <laughs> and I also think there is a spiritual side to it, of course. Like, I know you were talking about like, um, you build these new pathways of thinking and like you would yeah. just obsess, but also I feel like the enemy loves to just bring lies to our mind and like you said we have a choice on do yeah. we dwell on this lie and let it become part of like our belief system or do we take it captive and say uh that's a lie here's the truth yeah so much of like what this the sermon at church was today was basically in the armor of God, it talks about having like the, the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. And he was saying like, you know, the shield of faith is like the first line of defense for the fiery darts of the enemy. Like he was like, but sometimes there might be an arrow that bypasses the shield and actually hits you. And then he was like, now you have an arrow stuck in you. And he was like, that's where the sword of the spirit comes in. Cause the sword of the spirit is what the word of God. And that is what we use to dig out that root now that has planted itself in us because it bypassed the shield of faith. And we're using scripture, truth, to dig out the lie, to dig out the root. That's the fact that I'm like, it is spiritual because he talked about today too. He was like, you know, the enemy studies you. So it's like, he knows your past history. He knows like your personality. Like there's things about you that he knows and he studies you. So then he knows what it takes to plant something and and create like a suggestion right and that's why we're like he's not clever like we know those schemes but I I felt like that was so real like when he when he said it I'm like I feel that because that's I feel like that's a big part of shame like the enemy studying you kind of knows what makes you tick a little bit and knows exactly what to use to suggest something so now you're believing a lie and now you're spiraling and he didn't really have to do much yeah you kind of you kind of did it all for him and so I think there's something so powerful about like renewing your mind like that is why it's so important because I think probably 99% of stuff that keeps us stuck is here it's yeah. all, all mental yeah it's just we don't have the tools or we're not aware of the importance and how it plays out but I'm like having a renewed mind fixating on scripture on the truth of who God is because the truth is is I'm like once you know who God made you to be you don't want to be anyone else because you know the fullness the authentic full self that he created so yeah and also like going on that tangent of like not only does the enemy study you and know what your triggers are and know like what gets to you but he has studied all of humanity (laughs) like he has been on this earth since the beginning of time with Adam and Eve so he just knows human nature as well and I think something that like I am so fascinated about because I hate the devil and my goal in life (laughs) is to just ruin his life um is like usually where you're most attacked shows that's where your greatest authority or that's where your greatest power is going to be so to see like that Elena is so attacked with shame 
shows me like, dang, she must be freaking incredible and have so much authority in this that the enemy would want to silence her from ever coming to the light. Like you are such a woman who carries freedom. And like, I love that we talked about purity because it's like, you are so pure. Like you don't really do wrong things, not saying you're perfect, but like when you think of shame, you think of someone who like is sinning all the time, making these terrible mistakes, but that's not you. And yet you still carry so much shame, which I think that's, I think eye-opening to me is like, we think of shame in one aspect of being ashamed for doing wrong, but in reality, it can just be attacking thoughts and thinking of, you know, traumatic experiences we had when we were younger that shaped how we live now. Yeah, totally. I was going to say too, I'm like, we don't have very long either. So again, we've kind of already said it, you know, if this feels like it resonates with you, like, please feel free to like comment or reach out. Um, Cause I promise like you don't, you don't have to live this way. And one other thing I'll say is I feel like if you've grown up in like the church, you've definitely heard like, you know, the reason there's such an emphasis on confession is because it's like, whatever you confess, you bring to light. Uh, you don't, things can fester in the darkness. And I always hated that saying, if I'm being honest, cause I was just like, that sounds so cheesy. Um, there's a reason that cliches are cliche. It's because there is some truth to them. Um, yeah. And so one of the last things that I would say is if you're in a situation where you have done something, cause side note this is what I also think don't know if this is true I think probably a lot of people carry shame because they do something that makes them feel ashamed but then they never say anything about it they never tell a friend they never confess it they just keep the the sin hidden and then if that stays hidden long enough I think that manifests into shame so what started out is like oh I'm not a bad person I just did something bad but you didn't let anybody in on that. Then you hold on to that long enough and that becomes a part of your personality and your character. And now you're like, oh, I'm bad. I'm dirty, whatever it is. So there really is something so liberating about finding somebody that you trust or respect and confessing that thing. Cause I know firsthand that that's so true. There was something that it was, I didn't do it. It was something that was done to me. And when it wasn't even that big of a deal, But as a kid, it just felt so traumatic and I was just embarrassed by it and I had never told anybody. And then when I had shared it, what used to be a core memory that I would bring up in myself to like intentionally hurt me, as soon as I confessed it, it had no power and I never thought about that obtrusive thought ever again. I never used it to punish myself when I was having a bad day or whatever. It was the most wild, incredible thing. I was like, there really is something to this. So if you're in a situation where you're going through something because you've done something or because something was done to you, I know it's very scary, but trust me, find 10 seconds of courage to text your best friend, to text a trusted mentor, to text somebody that will love you and that will lead you in Christ in freedom because that thing does not have to have power over you and you will feel so much lighter after you've gotten it off your chest. Amen. That's so true. Well, 
thank you, Elena, for sharing all yeah, of your wisdom. And <laughs> just, yeah, if you're listening, don't feel overwhelmed if you identify with these things because God is with you and he's so yeah. present and Holy Spirit will guide and lead you into healing, into freedom. Um, but just also getting in the word and knowing the truth. If you don't even know the truth, how can you combat these lies? Like if you don't know who you are, there's so many other things that will tell you who you are. And so you have to be very aware and cautious of the, the outside narratives that are shaping and molding who you are. Because if you don't know, the world will definitely try and tell you who you are. So make sure that you know what God says about you. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. Literally, um, I really hope that my my journey, my story, um, can just be like helpful to let you know that it's it's normal, it's okay, but also like there's freedom and you don't have to live this way. If nobody else has told you, you don't have to live with those thoughts. There is freedom available for you, and we would love to chat with you about that. So yeah, I just hope that you're blessed and. Uh, You stick around and stay tuned for the next episode.